Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 141, and we're talking about the worst things about the anime fandom. I don't think we'll have any spoilers in this episode, but if we do, we'll let you know ahead of time. This is going to be an interesting topic. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, some of these things are going to be a little debated, but I think most of them are, are pretty spot on. Um, but before we get into that, I think we can also talk about a a pretty relevant topic, which is anime conventions, mostly yeah, because we just came back from one. Yeah, we were right in the thick of the anime fandom uh, because we attended Anime Central here in Chicago, or specifically in the Chicagoland suburb of Rosemont, uh, although it was a slightly different experience this year since we had a little one to take care of. Normally, Courtney and I would go for a full weekend, but since this was our first convention with the baby, we didn't bring the baby to the convention, but we took him over to my parents who helped uh, babysit him over the weekend. And so the both of us had to kind of switch off going to the convention where you had gone on day one. Day zero. No, oh, wait, wait, you yeah. went on day zero. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, you, most anime conventions are three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but some people like to get there early on the Thursday and they call it day zero. Um, and sometimes conventions will have like early access to badges and stuff like that. So you went on Thursday, day zero, mm -hmm. and then we switched on day one, which was Friday. I came, uh, I switched with you like early morning and then I stayed over and then luckily we were able to have an additional babysitter for Saturday. Um, your sister who was able to spend the night so that way we could both be at the convention for day two, which is Saturday, and mm -hmm. day three, the final day on Sunday. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. So, of course, one of us was taking care of the baby with my parents um, on what day zero and day one. And then, yeah, my sister stepped in to watch him on that Saturday, which was great because Saturday is typically the biggest day of any anime convention. And so it was nice to at least get that time to spend together. Although I will say that it was nice to have a short reprieve from the, I guess, the hecticness of Anime Central. Because, um, you know, like with our friends, Confam, they always like to drink and get litty and turn up throughout the anime convention. And so being at home at day one just to take care of our newborn uh, was just a nice way to relax, I guess, um, and sort of recharge to get ready for day two. Um, and I guess you know, taking care of a newborn gives you a bit of like skill in learning how how to stay up late. So we stayed up for pretty, or we stayed up pretty late on Saturday night um, after going through all the stuff in the regular convention. We had a few people ask us if we were going to do another panel uh, this year at Anime Central, and we, we definitely wanted to, but having the newborn and switching off days, you know, either taking care of him or being at the convention, it was just a lot to, to prepare. So we're planning, hopefully, to have a panel for next year's Anime Central, but this year it just it wasn't feasible. I think it'd be... We wouldn't have enough time to prepare. It would, it would be too sloppy, and, and we wanted to make sure we put on a good panel if we're going to have a panel. So hopefully it'll happen next year. We'll see. But uh, I think this ASEN was pretty chill 
compared to the last few of them, not only because of our situation taking care of a newborn, but I think the convention overall felt more chill because we both noticed that attendance wasn't nearly as high as it used to be. And I think a large part of that is because of the pandemic. It's probably the same across all anime conventions, or at least most of them. But it's not that the convention felt empty by any means or felt small. It was still a huge turnout. It was still a ton of people. But it wasn't this like oversaturation of bodies or it wasn't like sardines in a can. Because Saturday night, as Carl mentioned, is the biggest night for most anime conventions. And it felt busy. There were still line cons that you had to stand in. But it, it didn't feel like we were fighting through a sea of people. It was like just the right amount of attendees. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah. I mean, I think most anime conventions are still bouncing back after the pandemic. And I think that was kind of a clear indication that this was the same case for ASEN this year. Although I think compared to last year, which was the first time they had an in-person convention since 2020, um, it, it seemed like they were including more industry programming this time around and even inviting guests from overseas, like Japanese VOs and Japanese artists. So that was nice to see. Um, so like when I walked right into the convention hall uh, to our left, there was a booth for Crunchyroll, you know, passing out promotional stuff and, and giving out free swag. And I don't think I ever saw any industry present uh, last year at last year's ASEN. Uh, so that was a nice sign that, you know, ASEN is, I guess, back up and running, although it has been back up and running since last year, but almost kicking it back into full force as it was uh, pre-pandemic. They also had, to, to piggyback off of that, they had some really interesting guests this year. They had a concert on Friday where uh, it was a combo Moe Shop and Kiari Pamu Pamu. And I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of Moe Shop. For anyone who isn't familiar with Moe Shop, they're a, a, a DJ that does a lot of like anime type of music. So definitely check them out on Spotify. But they opened for Kiari. And I don't know much about Kiari Pamu Pamu other than that fucking Pon 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 song mm -hmm. because of the Pon 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 guy meme. And if you're not familiar with that meme, we'll drop a link in the Discord. Um, it's it's basically a short video, um, a clip of this guy who doesn't seem like he'd be a fan of Kiari, but he is vibing so hard to pom 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 at mm -hmm. Coachella and it's great like his energy is is the best ever it's, I don't do it justice when I describe it so like I said I'll I'll send a link or I'll share a link in our discord of that clip on YouTube of the pom 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 guy dancing to Kiari's song but yeah it was great she played that song four songs into the set so I didn't have to wait long to hear it and yeah the whole crowd went wild when when that song came on of course, I wasn't there since I was at home on Friday of the con, but you and our friends were sending snaps of, of the concert, and it just looked like a, a wild time. I was surprised that they were able to get her as a musical guest of honor for this for this ASIM, but I get that. That's pretty awesome. And then, I think one of the biggest shockers for me this year is that at the rave, specifically Saturday. the Saturday night rave, they actually played anime music. I I don't know if other anime conventions do this, but ASEN tends to book artists that are great. The music's awesome. It's still 
fun to dance to and all that. But when I'm at an anime convention, I kind of want to hear some anime remixes. Like it doesn't have to be straight up like the actual OP and ED songs, but I want to hear like remixes of anime music. And I've been sharing that feedback on like the surveys that Anime Central sends out every year for years and years and years. And finally this year we went to the rave. I don't know if we just caught the, the, the right DJ at the right time, but this DJ fucking played remixes of anime songs like stuff from like from like bleach and fire force chainsaw man yeah it was so good on titan yeah oh my god it was so hype and you could tell the energy at the rave was just on another level because not only are you getting good remixes that are great for a rave it's anime music stuff that we can all sing to we can all vibe to so i'm hoping that's a sign that anime central will bring in more djs that play anime music um and it doesn't have to be every dj because they have multiple djs throughout each rave but if we can get like the majority anime music that would be fucking awesome yeah our friends are screaming our heads off whenever we like we were waiting to hear what the next anime song the remix would be played and it was just it was wild like we were dancing our asses off and the crowd was obviously really hyped to hear the songs as well i did catch a i i did catch the name of the dj uh for that particular set at the rave that we attended um cuz his name was flashing across the big giant screens on stage uh it's ram rider which most of you might be confused with Ram Ranch. <laughs> Completely different, but his name's Ram Rider. I think he's actually a DJ from Japan. And so I went ahead and followed him on Spotify and on Instagram. So hopefully, yeah, Asen continues to bring in DJs of that same caliber because it's better than just hearing a bunch of like. Dank. Beeps and boops. <laughs> yeah, beeps and boops and like really dank bass, which like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can rave to that. But for, I guess, normies like us, we just want to hear our anime songs, man. And before we move into the episode, we we can't not acknowledge our cosplays. We can't not talk a little bit about that. All right. Uh, I guess before that, um, I did pick up some merchandise at the convention Although, you know, nowadays with uh, like Amazon or third-party anime figure websites, it's much easier to get things off of there at a much cheaper price. But this time around, I did pick up a small figure of Aaron Yeager from the final season of Attack on Titan. And we went to a booth that had, I don't know what you call it, kind of like promotional materials straight from Japan from some of these anime cafe collabs. And so I picked up a coaster. Uh, I'm holding it in my hand right now, and I can share a picture of this on the Discord. It looks like a coaster celebrating the final season of Attack on Titan, and it has a bunch of the characters from the series on it and something written in Japanese, which I should translate when I get the chance. I do see the number 100 on it. Uh, oh, on the flip side, it has a character as well. Not sure who it is, but I thought it was pretty cool. Again, normally at anime conventions, you find... Like t-shirts, clothing, anime figures, but stuff like this, I think these are worth the find if you go to a niche sort of booth at the convention. Yeah, I love those because you see all these cool little promotional items in Japan that we just don't get access to. 
and those are the opportunities for us to get our hands on it. Another piece of merchandise that I thought was pretty cool is that this year, uh, Anime Central had invited animators and production staff that were involved with Vinland Saga Season 2. I think they also, yeah, so people from MAPPA, um, I think also people from which studio, uh, specifically those involved in Spy Family and then from Kinema Citrus, but specifically with uh, Vinland Saga and Kinema Citrus, ASEN had released collaboration merchandise with those two studios. And so there was a really, I thought it was a great shirt that featured Thorfinn from Vinland Saga. And I think the caption reads something like Torfin made or Vinland Saga made it to Anime Central. You have Torfin as the central character in the artwork. And behind him is a display or a drawing of Cloudgate or what we call the Bean. It's an art display here in here in downtown Chicago that reflects the Chicago skyline. So I went ahead and picked up that clothing. It's like a I wouldn't I don't know what you call it, sort of like an a like hoodie. a t-shirt hoodie. Yeah. So I wanted one too, but I thought it was going to be a long sleeve shirt, but it's like a long sleeve shirt with a hood. So it's not like an, a thick plush hoodie, like a sweatshirt hoodie, but it's like a, a regular long sleeve shirt with mm-hmm. a hood. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know why they, they chose that. I'm kind of bummed because I would have preferred a long sleeve shirt or a t-shirt. But uh, yeah, I've never, I, I rarely see that type of article of clothing sold yeah. anywhere <laughs> it would have been cool to have it uh like a crew neck sweater but maybe this is the preferred sort of clothing for weebs i don't know uh, but I, I went ahead and picked that up uh, just because it's such a, a unique piece to get like an exclusive piece from an anime convention so i will be wearing that uh whenever i feel like i want to weeb out but yes going back to our cosplays we did a sort of casual casual one this year uh but i think it was fitting because we had fallen in love with this series last year and i was just i think we were able to just put something together uh i went as leorio from hunter hunter and courtney went as gone freaks from hunter hunter and it was uh appropriately timed because we kind of say that, you know, our our son is like gone. We hope he's like gone. I love gone. He's one of my favorite characters. So I was joking around. I'm like, in honor of our son, I'm cosplaying as our son. <laughs> so yeah, you were Leorio. I was gone. We got um, a, cu- a couple of compliments, a couple of pictures. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, a, as Carl said, a more like casual version. Luckily, Leorio's outfit is pretty casual. Not casual, but like... Uh, I, I hate to say like simple to put together, no, but I it's was, just like a, a suit. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised that people were able to pick me out from the crowd because I would just look like a normal businessman walking around the convention hall. Uh, I think I got a total of like maybe three pictures uh, from other convention goers, which is fine. Um, I know like people like to take pictures of like the more elaborate cosplays or whatever series is currently in right now but just for us to get that that small sense of recognition kind of made it worth it to to put the cosplay on uh but i think this is definitely a casual cosplay that i will be bringing back to future conventions yeah again with with the baby and and with our limited time this year we we didn't want to try to commit or overcommit to like an elaborate cosplay and then not not be able to 
put that together. So my golden cosplay, I purchased it online. Um, I didn't have the green boots, but I purchased some knee-high black boots. And I didn't have the wig. I just let my hair stay down because there's no way I'd be able to pull off that wig. But it was comfortable and it was recognizable enough that it, it checked all the boxes. And for me, all I had to buy was a green tie uh, and the, the uh, Loyorio's glasses, which I don't know what you call that kind of style. Itty-bitty uh, glasses. Yeah, <laughs> I had to wear them right at the tip of my nose to pull off that Leorio look. I, I had the, the suit and dress shirt already and dress shoes, and so I just had to spike up my hair to look like Leorio's. Obviously, I'm not as tall as Leorio is, uh, but I think I pulled I pulled it off pretty well. So all in all, I'd say Anime Central was a success. Can't wait for next year. Um, but it was nice that we were able to even go to the convention with our big life change. But yeah, I, th- I had fun. Did you have fun? I did. Even if, even though I went for like maybe one and a half days, um, I think I got the most out of it, which is all I wanted, um, given that we had a, a very unique timeline for this convention. So now let's dive into the worst things about the anime fandom, a very hot topic. And we actually came across an article from CBR.com that caught our eye and kind of sparked the idea behind this episode. It's titled Nine Worst Things About the Anime and Manga Fandom. Obviously, in our case, we're going to focus on the anime side of that, the anime fandom. Um, but then when we when we explored a bit more, we found another article pretty similar um, from Ranker.com titled The Most Annoying Things About the Anime Fandom. So we kind of pulled some of these ideas from those articles. And we'll share the links uh, for both the articles in the Discord. So if you're not a member, the link to join us in the description. When we were reading through these, it kind of got us thinking about like the anime fandom as a whole and what our toxic traits are, I guess you could say. And I say our toxic traits because Carl and I are just as much a part of the anime fandom as any other weeb. And we probably participate in some of these things that are listed or are guilty of some of these things. But we wanted to discuss these and whether we agree or disagree with them and share our own thoughts. So these aren't in any particular order. We're not ranking them um, or anything like that. We're just going to kind of just going to go through them um, one by one and share share our thoughts. I don't know, like some of them I feel like make total sense and are very relatable. Others, I feel like, you know, I I see where they're coming from, but I don't really see it as like something that's necessarily bad about the fandom. So I thought we could reflect on that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, any sort of community or fandom, it always has its bad traits and characteristics. Even thinking of like sports fans with certain teams or uh, fans of certain musical artists. And it's just the same case with the anime fandom, although I feel like it, it's dialed up to 11 with just how many things there are that need to be addressed with this community. It's important that we acknowledge where we, we suck <laughs> so that we can be better. Although, let's be honest, we're not going to change any of these things, but it's fun to talk about. So we're going to dive in. Um, I figured we start with one of the most highly debated things in the anime fandom and that's subs versus dubs. Let's just get this one out of the way. Um, I don't want to dive too deeply into it because I think at some point on this podcast, we'd like to talk about it in depth, but this will forever be debated in the anime community. I know people try to squash this debate all the time saying both are great. And honestly, I agree. I think both are great, but it's just one of those things that 
is like a, a fundamental part of being an anime fan is deciding, am I going to watch something subbed or dubbed or both? Um, and then having other people judge you for that. Like that's just part of the experience. Yeah. And can't deny that we here at Strictly Series obviously have a stronger preference towards the subs and enjoying content in its original form. But of course, there are many advantages to watching a dub. And I think for myself, I find myself open to dubs if there's enough like great feedback around this particular one. Um, just uh, an example is like recently uh, when I went over to the Anime Brothers podcast to discuss Trigon Stampede, I actually watched that series both in the sub and the dub and both of them were great, especially because the, the dub had John Young Bosch coming back as, as Vash. But as Courtney said, I think it just boils down to to each their own. Uh, there are many benefits and dis, or many advantages and disadvantages to each, but it's just your personal preference. And it's kind of it's kind of stupid that we have this war going on between sub sub watchers and dub watchers. Uh, I, I guess most of it is in jest, but for those who kind of take it too far, it's like, really? Yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm one of those people who will poke fun at somebody for watching dub, but I do it in like a ha-ha funny kind of way, and only with people that I have, you know, I know will understand that it's just a joke, because people will poke fun at me for watching certain things dubbed as well. I feel like it's okay to just like joke about it, because it, it exists, it's a, it's a debate that's out there, but to Carl's point, if somebody is like attacking somebody else for choosing subs versus dubs or dubs versus subs. I mean, come on. What does it matter to you if someone's watching it in one form versus the other? Could they be missing out on a, a fantastic performance if they're choosing one over the other? Absolutely. I'm sure we've missed out on a ton of great dub performances because we lean towards subs. Um, but that doesn't mean that somebody should be attacked for that. It's more like encourage them, show them why the dub or the sub is better and, you know, open their eyes to that and see if they'd be open to watching it. And similar to what Carl said, like I'll watch or rewatch an anime in dub if I have some sort of connection to it. A lot of the anime that I grew up with and that got me into anime was dub, mostly because that's what we had access to during those days, you know, Toonami Adult Swim days. But I'll still watch them in dub because they're so fucking good. As long as we're all enjoying the same damn thing, why does it why does it matter? Yeah. Why now not? there are some really bad dubs out there. Um and those get trashed on mostly again as like a joke. Like it's more of a meme to 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 dunk on those. I think like Ghost Stories dub, we all well, we, we may not all know the story, but there's a a well-known situation with that anime where there's a whole mess up with the um the dub folk getting what they needed from the the studio and so they were like fuck it we're just gonna run this thing as we need to and now it's become like one of the most infamous dubs out there because it's so just over the top and it's so ridiculous um and i one of the best arguments i've ever seen from a dub watcher for why they watch dubbed instead of subbed is simply because they wanted to eat and watch at the same time and i'm like that is a totally I mean, valid that's, argument that's fair but yeah, I'll I'll save my thoughts on that for when we do a future episode on subs and dubs. Um, but yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it can be really hard sometimes um, to eat and watch subs. I almost never do that because I just I don't want to miss any line. But if I look down to like pick up my food, then I feel like I've missed an entire 
core plot line or something of the story. So the next one here is fan service. Um, the article, the CBR article, talks about how fan service makes it appear to like non-anime fans or normies as if anime is just like titties and lewd stuff. And I, I get where they're going with this one, but I kind of disagree with fan service being a like a, a, a toxic trait of the anime fandom. Like sometimes fan service makes no sense in a show and it's purely there as fan service rather than like blending nicely into the story. Um, but sometimes you can consider fan service as part of the culture for a particular show or fandom. You think about something like Kill a Kill. I mean, that's that show's like built on fan service. And I, I don't know that's like, that's taking it to the extreme. I haven't even watched Kill a Kill, but we all know the outfits that they wear. And I think that like anime is becoming big enough outside of Japan where normies nowadays are seeing more than just the titties. Like they're understanding like there's a reason Demon Slayer is so popular. There's a reason Attack on Titan is so popular. I don't even really know if Attack on Titan has fan service. So like, you know, they've got to see more than just the titties um, unless they're seeing the female Titan. So I, I get where they're coming from with fan service being like one of the worst things about the anime fandom because Sometimes it's just annoying when there's fan service there just to please the people who enjoy that kind of stuff or overly enjoy that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I feel like the anime culture wouldn't be the same if there wasn't at least some fan service. Yeah, I guess the way that I look at it, to put it in like a Star Wars analogy, is when a Star Wars film includes the line, I have a bad feeling about this. It's been included in every major Star Wars film, even in Rogue One. Uh, it was kind of flipped on its head in the Solo film, and people debate whether you hear it in Episode Eight. But anyways, it's just like one of those things where yeah, it, it kind of makes you roll your eyes, but you just accept it as, as Courtney said, as part of the culture. And I guess that's the same thing with fan service. I myself don't find fan service really annoying um, unless it just doesn't make sense for a particular series uh, like if I were to see fan service in Attack on Titan I'd be like what the fuck am I looking at yeah Attack on Titan beach episode <laughs> right um, but if it's a you know slice of life show uh, that's fine or you know I know <laughs> there are plenty of characters out there who are drawn voluptuously and, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But I think from that, it's almost like you, you expect there to be some sort of uh, some sort of fan service at some point in the show. The next toxic trait of the anime fandom is gatekeeping, which I think uh, is definitely a real thing. It's, it's definitely a prevalent thing because you've got, you know, you're not a real fan unless you've seen so-and-so anime or you're not a real fan of so-and-so anime if you haven't seen the whole thing or haven't read the manga or don't like so-and-so character. It, it, there's so many forms of gatekeeping, but as much as we want to say it's not a thing right now, it definitely is still a thing at some level. Yeah, I hate that shit. <laughs> it's, pro it's one of the reasons I, I guess I took so long in wanting to watch anime is that I always felt like if I'm not watching the right things, then people wouldn't consider me a fan of anime or they thought, uh, I don't know, like they were too elitist to want me to watch certain anime. 
Uh, and, you know, I'm kind of glad that, you know, when we started the Strictly Anime podcast, I know we, we called it, or we had the tagline, by casuals for casuals, because that's kind of what we had started off as, um, at, at least for me. I know Courtney has had more experience in anime, but just having that as a a sort of opening for others who also are, are interested in anime, or maybe they're veterans of anime, but just want a more lighthearted approach to some of the series that they are watching or some of the series that they want to hear more discussions about. Uh, so yeah, gatekeeping is just a terrible thing in the fandom. And I think we're doing our best to break that mold by you know, encouraging people to try certain anime based on their tastes and preferences rather than saying, no, you don't deserve to watch this. I feel like gatekeeping nowadays is more around or like it happens more with the older anime fans the old school anime fans who are having a hard time accepting that anime is becoming more mainstream in the west and because it's becoming more mainstream in the west that we are having we're seeing more new anime fans or what we would consider normies tapping into anime Mm -hmm. so because i i felt this sometimes like I'm not saying I'm like one of the oldest anime fans ever, but growing up in the generation of of anime that I did, which is again like the Adult Swim tsunami generation, you weren't able to be open about being an anime fan. So it felt like this niche community of people who were like safe to talk to you about anime because you know that they also like anime and they weren't going to like, you know, make fun of you for it. So now it's like anybody could potentially be an anime fan. The vice president, one of the VPs of my company is an anime fan. I found out that he likes Attack on Titan and knows about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That was really random. But I kind of approach it in a way like that's kind of cool. Maybe he's not as deep of an anime fan as I am, but it's cool that he even knows these shows, especially a show like JoJo. And I just appreciate that he recognizes that anime is a really great medium. But yeah, I think it's just a struggle sometimes with the older anime fans to accept that we have normies, quote unquote, who are now tapping into anime and who are going to like anime. It's probably going to be a lot of like the popular shows, but, it, you know, they're they're getting into it on some level. I get it. It's kind of like a catch 22 where you want the sort of exclusivity of this community and of being able to watch anime and appreciate anime. Um Whereas, like you said before, it was more of a niche thing, and now it's kind of trickling into the mainstream. But at the same time, you would want the medium to grow. So why wouldn't you want to encourage people to watch your favorite shows or to get into some of the popular gateway anime? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's becoming silly now um, in the anime fandom for people to try to gatekeep because now you have that meme where it's like, oh, you're a weeb? Name every anime. Just like poking fun at it. I think you mentioned elitists. I think like the next level of gatekeeping are those elitists who really have a hard time accepting even just like regular anime fans as anime fans because they'll be like, well, I'm more of an anime fan because I've seen blah, 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 super niche, super obscure, lesser known anime. Um, and, and that elitism is, it's definitely annoying. Um, it's, it's not, it's hard to connect with people like that. Cause you just, you want to talk about anime, but for, for them, you're never good enough. They see themselves as like the superior anime fan and yeah, it's just no fun to interact with them. I haven't, I think that elitism is like less of a thing now, but similar to gatekeeping, it still does exist. I don't know if this is similar to that or if this is sort of like an opposite effect with gatekeeping, but uh 
I don't know. Would you consider like the like there's a fandom of a certain franchise that is so aggressive or violent in believing that their favorite anime series is the goat? Would you consider that a form of gatekeeping or just a totally separate thing? Violent? You know, <laughs> are I, people getting violent over their favorite anime? <laughs> I I don't want to call out a certain community, but for like they're example, aggressively passionate. Yeah, like okay, I'll just say it. like Dragon Ball Z fans, <laughs> right? I feel like they almost cause inadvertently gatekeeping by making their anime seem so like impactful, so powerful, like it's the greatest thing that's ever made by mankind that it makes you not want to watch that anime. I guess it's like a form of gatekeeping. Um, like if you're not a fan of DBZ, are you even a fan of anime at all type of thing? Right. Um, and I, I'm not limiting it to DBZ. There are plenty other fandoms out there. Yeah, but let's be honest. Like fans. DBZ, we all we all can admit that like DBZ fans, sometimes like some of the fans can be really intense. I mean, Giga Gigug has said it before. Um, who's that one, that one YouTuber that we really like who does all those like really – low budget but like fantastic and hilarious anime videos um i don't sylvanas oh yes i yeah. think sylvanas even did a, a video poking fun at dbz fans he where like did, no matter yeah. what he said about dbz they were like no dbz is superior goku superior yeah like or they would just always default to the question but can they beat goku yeah yeah <laughs> and again like there's nothing wrong with being a dbz fan i i, I grew up watching it too uh not not as intensely but like I, I watched a decent amount of it and it's a good show and i get why it's so popular um, so yeah, no, no hard feelings. We, we poke at every fandom. I'm an Inuyasha fan. People poke at Inuyasha fans all the time. But yeah, I think that could also be seen as like a form of gatekeeping. Like you feel like you can't be fully accepted or you can't, and you know, you're not allowed to like anime if you don't at least like these anime. So another toxic trait or one of the worst things about the anime fandom that was listed in the CBR article specifically was inaccessible or unavailable content. Um, so I, I think that they were saying like, even if a, a, an anime is available in your country, the OVAs or the movies or the extra content might not be, or a whole show may not be available in your area, your region, your country, whatever, whatever it is outside of Japan. Um, and so this one, like I agree and disagree with, I don't agree I disagree <laughs> that uh, I inaccessible. I don't not agree. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm like thinking it through. I disagree that inaccessible or unavailable content is a toxic trait or like a bad thing about the anime fandom because it's out of our control. But where I can see it being a, a bad trait or whatever is anime fans sailing the seven seas. Mm -hmm. streaming illegally like I, I could see that as like one of the worst things about the fandom but do i really feel like that's a terrible thing about the fandom not exactly and this is mostly because sometimes you just don't have a choice you either have to live with the fact that you're never going to see a particular anime or a particular movie or whatever or you do what you gotta do to watch it because your country just doesn't have the streaming rights or the anime industry in Japan isn't making it accessible enough. So I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the fence about this one being something that's bad about the anime fandom. Yeah, I don't really consider this like a terrible part of the anime fandom, like the difficulty of finding content. I guess it's more so like you're saying, the difficulty of finding content legally. 
because I, I feel like in today's age of streaming services, it's so easy to find things on like Netflix or Crunchyroll or Hulu uh, compared to back when we were kids and we could only get these things on Adult Swim or on Toonami. Uh, so I think we are privileged in that sense in having almost like a whole assortment of content now compared to back in the day. But going back to the discussion of piracy, obviously we're not condoning piracy. We're not encouraging everyone to sail the seven seas to find content, but we are acknowledging that sometimes that's what's necessary. But the thing about it that makes it like negative, obviously one, it's it's illegal, but two, it hurts the studios and the companies who are producing these anime if they can't create like ample revenue out of their product. That's an interesting an interesting point. So I agree. I think one should always strive to consume content legally whenever possible. But again, sometimes it's just not possible, whether it's a financial thing or an availability thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes someone has to resort to illegal streaming and I get it, especially if it's a show you love. Like that's that's heartbreaking <laughs> to not be able to enjoy it with the rest of the fandom simply because your country or whatever has no streaming rights. and You just can't get your hands on it. And then there is that argument that this this illegal streaming takes away from revenue that the anime industry could could obtain and it doesn't directly support the anime industry but i mean these i think i think a lot of fans would again if they had the availability now there's of course those fans who are like i'm not going to pay for it no matter what even if i have it available to me i'm not paying for it i'm going to you know stream it illegally that that's a whole other discussion but there are other ways to support the industry i mean like holy shit the weebs will dump the weebs weebs will dump their entire life savings into mm -hmm. anime figures like that's that's no shocker there um so i think there's there's like a catch 22 there where yeah they're not supporting the anime industry directly but also the anime industry isn't giving them giving them the opportunity to do that you know what i mean yeah and i i can get I understand it from like a business standpoint that it's not easy to always acquire rights to certain things. Uh, thinking back to like Netflix and I'm sure Crunchyroll were competing to get JoJo um, on their platforms and it was Netflix who ultimately won that in the end and that left many JoJo fans disappointed and having to turn to these other outlets to get their fill of Stone Ocean. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess at the base of it, anime is a business, so they just have to run things that way. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think it's just piracy and sailing the seven seas is just a given in this fandom. Um, so take take it as you will. Uh, but I guess like a funny offshoot of that is you know finding the content however you can, but then discovering that the subtitles aren't that great <laughs> or the quality shit, right? So all in all, I think that inaccessible or unavailable content would be better suited to like the worst things about the anime industry rather than the worst things about the anime fandom. Um, but yeah, some everyone at some point I'm sure has sailed the seven seas and it is what it is. This next worst thing about the anime fandom, however, I feel is totally valid and, and totally makes sense. It's anime fans being overly reactionary. So the articles 
had um, some specific takes on this, and I kind of expanded this to other areas as well because I think it's more of like an umbrella thing being overly reactionary so they talked uh, in the articles mostly about like an urgency to watch something otherwise you risk being spoiled um, when you go online Attack on Titan is like the perfect example when the manga ended um, that was really risky to go on Twitter or any social media Uh, but then also every week as the anime is airing you either have to watch it immediately or you have to stay off the those social media platforms entirely Otherwise, you risk being spoiled. Um, And then also fans judging a show before the whole thing is finished. They're being overly reactionary before they can even see how the story ends. Because not every show is going to have a super strong beginning. And not every show is going to have a a super strong ending. You have to see it in its entirety to give it a fair score. But also, I mean, to a certain degree, like you can't expect someone to finish a show if they're miserable watching it. But I've kind of expanded this into a couple of other areas too. I feel like being overly reactionary as an anime fandom also means fans who can't handle their favorite shows or characters being critiqued. They get overly mm-hmm. reactionary um, when someone says even the slightest you know, critique or the slightest negative thing about a character that they deeply love or a show that means something to them. And this one hits home for us as an anime podcast where we review anime. We've been pretty lucky um, about people you know, letting us know that, they're, that they disagree with some of our takes. I think we try to be as like, as objective as possible, yeah. knowing that reviews aren't really totally objective and as fair as possible and as honest as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're in that, that space where we're going to be talking about at any given moment someone's favorite show or favorite character. Yeah, I, I can understand like with having these intense reactions in the fandom, I, I just take that as an offshoot of us living in a very reactionary culture. But for the most part, I ignore those kinds of comments or those discussions because I don't think anything fruitful comes of those. Uh, but like you said, we've had many listeners chime in by either messaging us on Discord or emailing us, uh, having constructive dialogue about anime and about these characters. And that's what I find more interesting and more rewarding rather than feeding this crowd or like <laughs> feeding into this crowd who just wants to be angry because they are so obsessed over these things but don't say anything bad about my husband Levi. <laughs> well i think another area we can expand this to is fans demanding more content too quickly instead of giving studios the breathing room that they need to create something in like the proper way so basically the meme of you finish an anime and then immediately you're like when season two mm-hmm. and you start spamming the studio and you're like when season two when's that happening and it's like a a, a, a it's putting the studio in like a what is it the the what's the phrase between a rock and a hard place? Yes. Because they can give you uh, another season quickly, but is it going to be the best quality it can be? No. So you either have to choose between and not always, but most most of the time you have to choose between waiting patiently for a great end product or getting that product sooner but having it be kind of shit. And it's not like a video game where they can just go back and patch that shit. Once you've got the season, it's very rare that they go back and make any changes to it. I mean, we've all seen really great stories have terrible anime adaptations because the studios just had these unreasonable deadlines, unreasonable pressure, and it just spoiled the whole thing. I think this whole, I guess, 
a category, whatever you want to call it, about the anime fandom with it being so reactionary and and it being so impatient just boils down to the fact that there's just too many damn anime out there. There's a lot of anime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, studios are just pumping these things out like there's no tomorrow. And that's causing the first thing that you mentioned where fans always want to be caught up with the latest episode. And if you're not, then you are at risk of getting it spoiled and that kind of ruining your whole experience. I mean, this is this has been a thing in recent pop culture, right? Especially with watching the superhero films like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You always want to make sure you you get caught up with every movie to understand what's going on in the entire saga. But that just with anime it just becomes difficult because any given season you might have 10 to 20 shows that you want to watch but then on top of that you have your own life to take care of so it's not always easy keeping on track trying to be up to date with what's happening in in a story um and i mean it's it's a good and bad thing right that there's so many great anime that you want to watch but it's just it becomes a little too overwhelming and then sometimes it just demotivates you because you you don't know what to do with all of these things and and with the community wanting to get the next thing out there. I think the worst of the worst when it comes to overly reactionary fans is when fans attack um, other fans for their opinions, especially online, or attack an anime studio or a creator or a voice actor when they didn't like the way something turned out in a show. Mm-hmm. We, I think everyone can agree that that behavior is just horrible and we need to stop Inhumane. that. Inhumane. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's one of those things that I would put at the top, not that we're ranking these or anything, um, but I would say that towards the top of the worst things about the anime fandom, it would be when fans attack other fans or attack anime studio people when they just are unhappy. Instead of just accepting that maybe it didn't turn out the way that you had hoped or maybe your character didn't survive the story or whatever and just remembering that it's just an anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kids show. <laughs> it's just cartoons. <laughs> the next worst thing about the anime fandom I think resonates pretty deeply with us, and that's that it's difficult to be an adult fan. Um, I, I feel like this one, similar to like gatekeeping, is becoming less of an issue and that the existing issue actually lies outside of the fandom. Like, I don't think as much today anime fans hate on adult anime fans because I feel like the large majority of anime fans are adults. It's the millennials who grew up on Adult Swim and Toonami. Exactly. I think where the the difficulty comes from is normies judging adult anime fans because they see anime as, like, kid shows or cartoons or whatever um i think that you've seen this i've definitely shared it with you but i don't know if you remember it um but there's like an instagram reel or maybe a tiktok that made its way over to instagram that i saw where some woman was like are we really still watching anime as adults Mm -hmm. really are we really and then some bunch of people reacted to that saying yes yes we are because anime is phenomenal it's a step above what you have here in the west not all cartoons but a lot of like 
very popular cartoons in the West that people would see as kids shows are like just Adventure of the Week. They're very simple, but you have anime with very intricate stories and well-developed characters to the point where, yes, it looks like it's meant for kids, but the stories can definitely be enjoyed by adults. Yeah, and this is something that I have experienced even in my personal life. Uh, I have a group of best friends who... Most of them are not into anime. Like a couple of them have watched Attack on Titan, but that's the extent to it. And then I have, I guess I have one friend who just cannot get into animated shows in general, but it's, I hate that he kind of groups anime with these animated shows, these cartoons, and not like a lot of people who kind of share his thoughts think they're all kid shows, like you said, when I feel like the genre of anime goes further beyond the simple slapstick or toilet humor that you find on Cartoon Network or on Nickelodeon. And I thought I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is actually backed up by fact that people who watch anime uh, are of like a higher intellectual level when <laughs> compared to people who watch live action dramas or soaps. Uh, I mean, and, I'll, I'll believe it. I'll right. take it. <laughs> there are so many complex and very well-told stories in anime that it's it goes beyond its demographic, which is typically shonen, the, the young adult. And I think a lot of those stories are a lot more, like they're more fruitful than like I don't know, watching SpongeBob blow bubbles every week or something. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there should be more shows that appeal to the working adult in anime. Like I understand that there are lots of shonen out there because that is still the target demographic for anime. But as that crowd goes older, you know, they they identify less with those things and probably want to see something that is more relatable to them rather than turning to the realm of live action and, and watching all of those things, which, yeah, those are entertaining, but I don't know, anime just hits different. And I'm, I'm thinking of like superhero films, again, going back to like Marvel or DC, how they're able to adapt stories that appeal to both younger and older audiences. And I'm wondering, can anime do the same? And I know it's limited to anime adaptations of manga stories. Like they can only work with what they have, but you know, there are, original anime out there that are just as appealing uh, as watching them as adults, like Cowboy Bebop, for example. That's a, a great example of an anime that doesn't seem like it's targeted towards kids, but just is it's a visual and storytelling triumph to watch as an adult or things like Samurai Champloo, Uramichi Onisan, which was way too relatable. Uh, but yeah, things along those lines. I would argue that at least half of the anime that come out every season are not intended for kids. Even if it stars younger characters, I feel like there's stuff in there that like kids probably shouldn't see. Even a show that can be for kids like Demon Slayer has titties and ass in the latest season. I mean, nothing like grotesque, right? But there's like bare ass and like cleavage. I mean, we all know who I'm talking about, the love Hashida. Um, and, and I feel like people who don't understand anime may look at that and be like, that's so not appropriate for children. But they're also the same people who are like, why are adults watching anime? It's for kids. So I mm -hmm. think it's just 
there's still a, a large portion of normies out there that don't understand anime and that's totally fine they don't have to and honestly if they don't if they have no interest in it i wouldn't want them to be into anime because then it wouldn't be genuine um but i think it's just this misunderstanding that like anything animated is for kids but then you have like disney adults out there <laughs> right i think th again this is similar to um some of the previous worst things i feel like being an adult anime fan and, and finding that hard was more difficult in the past like when anime was more niche but with it becoming more mainstream and more available in the west it's becoming easier to openly be an anime fan as an adult because more people are watching it even if they're just watching it to a small degree but to confirm my thoughts on this again i don't know if this necessarily is a worse thing about the anime fandom as in like fans being annoying like if we're looking at this from the lens of like worst things about the anime fandom which are things that we wish anime fans would stop doing or that we dislike them doing i don't think anime fans are hating on adult anime fans again i think this one is more like it's difficult just in general to be an adult anime fan because people who don't like anime judge you for it's that the, the outsiders looking in yeah basically the next one on the list is shaming cosplayers this one's interesting. Um, it, it's coming from the the frame of like shaming cosplayers for not looking enough like a character or not doing a good enough job with their costume or not being true to the character or to the show, not being accurate enough. Instead of just saying, you love this character, you love this show, you want to be that character at an anime convention, go for it. All the more power to you. I think there is still a subset of the anime fandom that again just loves their their favorite character so much or loves a show a show so much that they can't accept if someone is cosplaying um that character or from that show at like not a degree of like high professionalism does that make sense like they're mm -hmm. not they don't look like a professional cosplayer therefore they look like shit like it's 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 so absolute sometimes like you either are like top tier cosplayer or your shit, because you're not a top-tier cosplayer. Okay. The way I looked at it is, again, with outsiders looking in, people who look down on, on just cosplayers because they don't understand the culture. But so it's more of, it's like the insiders looking in. Yeah, this. so unlike the last one about it being difficult to be an an, an adult anime fan, where it was really more like the, the outsiders looking in, this one could go both ways. But the way I was taking it from these articles is that they're saying it's more actual anime fans judging other anime fans or judging cosplayers for not looking good enough. Okay. And I say to that, who the fuck cares? <laughs> like I'm looking at myself. I'm a, I'm a casual cosplayer. I, I don't go all out when it comes to cosplay at anime conventions. Uh, there are characters that I've cosplayed where I don't, I probably don't fit the body type like with, Aaron Yeager from Attack on Titan final season. I don't think I have a 12 pack at all. <laughs> uh, or even, I think I did Joseph once. Joseph Joestar from JoJo. I don't think I have a 12 pack at all for that. But I love those characters. And why can't I express my love for those characters by dressing up as them? Even if I'm not uh, of English origin or of 
Attack on Titan origin. I, I don't <laughs> want to say anything too spoiler. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about this earlier that we went to ASIN this year and we just didn't have the time to commit to any elaborate cosplays. So we went with something more casual. We still dressed as Leorio and gone, but we did so in a way that was very simple, very basic, very easy, very comfortable, but still allowed us to show our love and appreciation for those characters. It's not like we're just trying to put some like, really shitty thing together like we, we we gave it some effort but also we're not walking around saying like i made this costume or i look like the best golden cosplayer ever when we don't i think we just wanted to be that those characters for a weekend and just have a good time and we were able to accomplish that and even the cosplays that you know probably didn't take too much effort sometimes those look great too i know this isn't anime related but there have been conventions where I've seen people dressed up as the Mandalorian, but they they're made of like their armor is made of cardboard. Or I think the funniest one is like when their armor is made of like beer packages. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like clever things like that. It's it's not accurate to the lore of Star Wars or to the lore of anime, but you still gotta applaud their efforts at making something so creative. And we should still recognize the cosplayers who are very talented and can put together very elaborate costumes mm -hmm. or make very intricate props. They are fantastic at what they do, especially when they take the time to like get the wigs right. Dude, styling a wig is not easy. I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. I've tried it before and it's very, very difficult. So props to them. Or like being able to not only do your makeup, but actually sculpt your face to look like a character, that's incredible. But yeah. I don't think that that means anyone who's below that level of talent isn't a good cosplayer or doesn't deserve to cosplay. I will say, though, on the topic of normies judging cosplayers, I had one instance at work where a senior leader um, like took our our team out to lunch. And we, it, I think it was right around the time of like one of the anime conventions in our area. And they were talking about um, like these conventions and like seeing all these like people walking on the street. And they're like, it's so weird, isn't it? That they do that. Isn't that weird? And I looked at her and I said, oh, I do that. I do that often. God, And she kind of looked at me. She's like, oh, and I'm like, I'm going to the one this weekend because that was the convention that was coming up that sparked the conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there this weekend. And she's like, oh, that's that's really cool. And of course, immediately changed subject and it was very awkward. But I wasn't mean about it, but I just like simply said like, oh, I do that. I, I enjoy doing that. And I go to conventions and kind of just let her know that even even though I may not seem in that moment like I'm an anime fan, I am an anime fan. <laughs> like I, I don't have to fit a certain mold to be an anime fan like anybody can be an anime fan right just let everyone enjoy their day and have their fun in the sun like <laughs> it's like it's better like with all of these things just do your best to uplift the fandom not try to tear it down so the next thing that's considered one of the worst things about the anime fandom according to these articles is focusing on mainstream anime it's no secret Shonen dominates the anime fandom. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit. And the the article says that it's kind of like an echo chamber of popularity, quote unquote, where the most celebrated shows are the ones that get discussed and get the spotlight. And I think that's kind of true. There are so many smaller niche shows that are incredible, but struggle to make it to the surface because they're overshadowed by their popular counterparts for a season. And there's also the situation of anime originals that don't have the benefit of like 
the manga hype behind them or the light novel hype behind them. Uh, I think even recently you've come across, Carl's come across some that he really loved, like Kong Ming, your boy Kong Ming, mm-hmm. or Akiba Made War. Um, like all of these are, right? The, weren't those anime originals or was no, not? No, uh, Kong Ming was based off a of manga. Oh, okay, sorry. Akiba Made War was original. Okay. Um, well, there you go. Uh, we'll stick with Akiba Made War where there it's an original. You loved it. Um, you got me to watch it. I enjoyed it. But like, did it really get the hype and the recognition it deserved? No, because it just wasn't in the spotlight. I think some other ones that have suffered from this that really shouldn't have are Vinland Saga. Although season two, I think finally is getting it the recognition it deserves. Yeah. But season one of Vinland Saga was so hidden. We didn't even know about it till like almost six months to a year later. And then you have Kotaro Lives Alone, which we are still touting. We are still recommending Mm -hmm. to people. And even though it was nominated multiple times in the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, I still don't think enough people have picked it up. I think it's fantastic. It's an easy watch, but it just suffers from being... (laughs) Easy watch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It just suffers from not being a popular anime. Or all of the anime that came out during, uh, which season was it? Fall 2022 when like Chainsaw Man and like Mob Psycho were all like that really heavy oh, yeah. season at the end of last year. I think if you weren't one of the heavy hitters that saturated that season, you were like pushed to the side basically. With with this issue, there's a reason that these mainstream series are so popular and so well acclaimed. I get I without them the anime wouldn't be elevated to the level that it is today so they should be rightfully celebrated in that regard uh but yeah it's it's a shame that sometimes uh, everything else just gets overshadowed by that but i think that's where the anime community the anime fandom can step in by recommending these other shows to people who may not have heard of it I mean, in the case of Kotaro Lives Alone, it was through our friends at Anime Brothers Podcast who had brought that series to our attention by discussing the show. And through them, like we ended up putting it in our watch list. And I, especially for me, I am very glad that they did because it turned out to be one of my favorite like sleeper hits of 2022. So as much as everyone likes to talk about the demon slayers, the chainsaw mans, the my heroes of each year. I think there's a bit of a responsibility for the community to really get their voice out and throw their support behind other anime that might not get that spotlight. I completely agree. I'm certainly not saying that popular shows don't deserve their top tier respect. They do. Like you said, there's a reason that they are the mainstream anime. Like there's a reason that they have the the fandom behind them there's a reason that they withstand the tests of time but for the smaller niche shows that get drowned out by the time they actually get the recognition they deserve it's sometimes not enough to even push them to the top or it's so long after the show has aired that it's just futile at that point to try and get it you know any sort of traction um it, that also extends into merchandise i get that merch like it's a business right like you need to mm-hmm. put out merch that has a good roi but I think about Vinland Saga again. Vinland Saga season one came out in 2019, and we literally only just recently had an announcement for a Thorfinn, season one Thorfinn figure. And we talked about this before. We were like, (laughs) how are there no Vinland Saga figures out there? We have some of like, 
I guess to counter my point, there are some smaller niche shows that even have more figures than Vinland Saga has, which is now one. Yeah, <laughs> one. Makoto Shinkai's films have figures. And they just came out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think it's crazy that Thorfinn, season one Thorfinn, is only now getting a figure in 2023 when the show came out in 2019. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But merch is always going to be mostly the popular shows. Unless you go to Japan and you go to someplace like Akihabara where you have every bit of merch under the sun even for those smaller niche shows um but for most of us here in the west and outside of japan you're really only only going to get stuff from the popular shows but to kind of round this one out i completely agree with what carl said like there is an opportunity for anime fans to expand their horizons you don't have to but we encourage you know all anime fans to expand your horizons and tap into some shows that aren't the big ones like that aren't the my heroes that aren't the bleaches and the narutos and the one pieces and and the demon slayers and whatnot because there are really great shows out there and having this anime podcast has has really encouraged me and carl to do that and we've come across some incredible shows that we wouldn't have otherwise or even just tapping into other genres like i've never been a sports anime fan ever but i felt compelled to watch haikyuu which I know it's kind of dumb for me to say that because Haikyuu is one of the mainstream anime, but I finally tapped into it and I get why it's so good. And now I'm interested in other sports anime. Yeah. And as for me, I think I mentioned in last week's episode that I finished wrapping up Wotakoi, which is part of the slice of life genre. And that's not a genre that I'm so hot on, but that was one show that I really did enjoy. And yeah, just hope that everyone else has this similar mindset of, kind of stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping out of your boundaries and looking for shows that might not sound interesting on the surface to you, but you might have a hidden appreciation for it down the road. And one more quick thought on that. I get that the the mainstream anime are a great way to get people into the fandom. But again, let's encourage people to watch stuff outside of the biggies. Next up, we have manga readers versus anime only. Here we go. <laughs> um, AKA, the manga was better. Uh, I, I This is probably going to be more of like a, a slap towards the manga readers than the anime onlys because I, I see it, maybe I'm biased because I'm an anime only, but I see it as like, again, people saying, oh, the manga was better. Like, you watch a show, you loved it, but then someone's in your ear like, but the manga was better. They did it better in the manga. They didn't do it right with the anime adaptation. Or you've got, um, you know, you're in the middle of a show, it's going great, and then some manga reader comes through and gives you some manga spoilers. (laughs) Um, I see that as kind of like one of the toxic things, I guess, one of the not-so-fun things about the anime fandom is that we have manga readers in our ears sometimes but i also think there's some faults on the anime only side like just being stubborn and saying manga isn't interesting um i don't want to read or there's no color to it or there's no music or sound i think anime fans should be somewhat open to the manga and i'm saying that as a person who's read less than 10 manga in her whole life (laughs) i am trying to be more open to manga if i really love an anime and if the story is not finished and there's no potential for another season I could be compelled to read the manga, even though it's not my preferred form of media. So with this issue, I want to preface this by saying I have the utmost respect for manga readers, uh, that they dedicate so much time and effort to reading a manga. Uh, I've tried to pick up manga a couple occasions, but 
I think just for me, it's it's a very difficult time investment when compared to watching an anime. So props to all the manga readers out there, especially the ones in our Strictly Discord and very most especially to the ones who are part of or like the Attack on Titan discussions because they've been very respectful to us and to the other listeners who are only watching Attack on Titan in anime form. So they don't know the ending for the series, but they've held their tongue They've dropped hints about like what to expect, but for the most part, uh, yeah, man- the manga readers that we know are, are very great people. I, I do want to I want to piggyback off that. I completely agree, and I've said this before, and this is a a, a slap to to myself that I wish I could be more into manga. I just don't have the creativity and the imagination mm-hmm. to be able to appreciate manga. Um, it's mostly because I think about some of these action sequences and I look at it panel by panel and I can't follow it. I just, my brain doesn't work <laughs> that way. When other manga readers are like, dude, that fight scene was insane. The way it was like stylized and the way the panels were done in the manga. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I wish I did. I wish I could see the beauty in that. I'm just not capable because I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah, there's There's a meme that I found and I hit myself in the head every day because I didn't save it, but it's like all the Dragon Ball, all these Dragon Ball characters, I think, trying to power up or whatever, but the caption reads, manga readers, when they're trying to imagine the action on a on a page. <laughs> um, but yes, with all that said, I think one thing that irks me with manga readers the most is that they, of course, they have sway and dominion over knowing how the story, how the story to an anime ends, and not that I'm attributing this to any of the manga readers that we know, but some will just kind of dangle that over anime watchers' heads, and we have to kind of tread carefully with with <laughs> with what they could or could not say. Uh, and one thing that I've seen on the internet a lot and in message boards and discussions is when manga readers say, don't worry, it gets better in the next arc. Or it starts to get really, really good. Like, I don't want someone to have to tell me, like, what to expect in the next season. Like, I want to kind of enjoy that in a a fluid way rather than anticipating it. And I know this was a a big case for my hero when season five started to drop the ball and people were like, my hero is is not what it once was and then the manga readers were like just, just stay stay with it it just gets so much better i'll admit they were right but part of me just just didn't want someone to have to tell me that and rather just let me go into the next season of an anime having my expectations <laughs> my expectations subverted but letting me have that experience on my own does that make sense? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think another good example of that is Vinland Saga season two. I kept hearing Farmland Saga is goat. Farmland Saga is fucking amazing. Like it's it's going to be the best thing ever. And I'm like, I don't get it. How is farming supposed to be any good? I, I think it's phenomenal. I'm like, manga readers were fucking right. I don't know why farming is so fucking good, but it is absolutely amazing. But on the flip side of that, another recent example that's like the opposite situation, and not entirely opposite, but kind of opposite, is Chainsaw Man. I mean, think mm-hmm. about the fucking hype from manga readers <laughs> around Chainsaw Man. And then we get the first season of the anime, and don't get me wrong, it was so good. I rated it very, very high. But was it the hype shit that the manga readers made it out to be? 
No, but I think that's because it's early days. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally 12 episodes. Like, we're just scratching the surface as anime onlys with Chainsaw Man. And I said this in our Chainsaw Man review, but like, I am very excited to see where Chainsaw Man goes. But I don't think the first season, um, you know, hit that, match that level of hype the manga readers were touting for for months and months and months. So it, it can go either way. Um, but I also think that we should recognize that anime onlys can be just as annoying as manga readers when, again, like they can be really stubborn and say, I don't want to w- read the manga because it's pages and in a book like i'm not interested in that like just being stubborn and not giving it a chance or saying the anime was better simply because it has the benefit of music and color and motion and voice acting Mm -hmm. and all of that um i think again either way it could it could be a situation where the manga sucked but the anime was able to take it and create it into something better or the manga was amazing, but then the anime just dropped the ball on the adaptation. So I think this manga readers versus anime only's debate um, or like rivalry, it's to me more of like a fun thing. I don't mind it in the anime community. I don't mind it in the anime fandom. I kind of find it fun sometimes to just go back and forth with manga readers about how a show will turn out or how it has turned out. But I do think that there are people who take it too far, one side or the other, and that that could cause it to be one of the worst things about the anime fandom or manga and anime fandom. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of similar to the the subs versus dubs debate that we had first discussed. Uh, to each their own, but I also just think <laughs> when it comes to not wanting to spoil anyone's fun, just stay in your lanes and be respectful of each other. Uh, but you know, you can chime in when needed to to encourage an, a manga fan or an anime fan. So I had one of my own worst things about the anime fandom that wasn't listed, or at least I don't think it was, on either the CBR or the Ranker article. And maybe this is just something inconsequential compared to everything else that we've discussed. But what I consider... A, <laughs> A terrible thing about the anime fandom is that being a fan of anime is so fucking expensive. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. I I didn't know you were going to bring this up, um, but that is a really interesting point. And it's kind of like, is it expensive or do we just want too much? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I could go either way with it. Like you can have a very modest collection of anime merch and it not be too expensive. But then there's also, like, you could find a single item that you really want, but it's, like, $500. No, but anime just has that magic, that power <laughs> that draws you in. It, I guess it could be similar to, like, being a fan of sports, right? You could be a casual fan of a team, but when you are a hardcore fan, you want all the memorabilia, like the signed baseball bats or the signed basketballs, the signed jerseys hanging up. Like the newspaper articles of like key games or plays. Are newspapers expensive? No, but those are hard <laughs> to track down, right? When when there's a significant sporting event, like back when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, people were clamoring to get newspapers because they wanted a front page commemorating that point in sports history. Uh, I feel like that could be the same thing with being a an anime fan. And that's just taken to the next level because, again, you have all of these different shows that you are a big fan of. And that's that's a huge case for us because 
we have shelves just littered with anime figures, anime memorabilia. I don't even want to know what the cost of all of these things were. But yeah, there's just an allure to being an anime fan and wanting to ingrain yourself in it's a, like appreciating it that it can become a pretty expensive hobby. Yeah, I see where you're going. So it's not like it, it's this is something targeted toward the anime fans specifically, but it's what you experience being in the anime fandom. Yeah, it's this this deep desire to own and collect all of this great merch because honestly, there is a lot of really good merch, mm-hmm. especially nowadays when it's so accessible for us here outside of Japan. Yeah. I, there's some really great stuff. And even stuff that's not accessible for us, that's Japan only, is fucking amazing. Right. And I, it's not just limited to things to put on display, like figures and such. Even our closets, <laughs> they, they're filled with t-shirts and clothing that are all themed around anime. Me especially, I can't count how many graphic tees I have that are related to either Attack on Titan or Cowboy Bebop or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's, it's, I would say it's like an almost unhealthy obsession. And that could be one of the downsides with this issue with how being an anime fan or being a weeb is so fucking expensive is that it starts to cut into your finances, especially if you're not financially savvy. I think thankfully for the both of us, we have enough of discretionary income where we can keep tabs on how much we're spending on like anime figures we can purchase you know the occasional merch that like right. we really really want but i know that's not the case for many people especially those who like to buy like the hundreds uh, maybe even thousand dollar figure uh straight from japan because they're so passionate about this character uh hopefully that's not the case for many people out there but that can be a detriment uh with this being a very expensive hobby in a way. The last worst thing about the anime fandom, um, I wanted to save for last on purpose. And I think this one is the funniest, but also one of the most painful. And I'm just going to say it. Anime fans can be fucking cringe. (laughs) They can be so fucking cringe, so awkward, so just like embarrassing sometimes. Um, And the articles talked about like making anime or a specific anime or character your entire personality or thinking that liking anime makes you Japanese or makes you more in tune with Japan than another person Um, or just some anime fans taking things to the extreme or being fucking extreme. Like you need to... I don't know, you need to be able to adapt to your situation. And that can be really difficult for some very passionate anime fans. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to have like this on-off switch or at least be able to dial it down. Like I can dial it down at work and then I can let my weebness shine at like an anime convention or when I'm talking to another fucking weeb. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to adapt to your situation so that you don't come off as fucking cringe. (laughs) And I'm not saying you can't show that you're an anime fan, but I think we all know or have experienced interactions or seen that that particular type of anime fan that is just maybe too much. And I don't think it's anime only. Like there are other fandoms out there that have their fans or their subset that it can be fucking cringe. Sports. Yeah. <laughs> like those really intense dads who like scream at their kids at, at baseball games that are like yeah. a bunch of 
you know, grade schoolers. It's like it's just a game. Yeah, it's just kids. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so we have that too in anime. We have those anime fans who are just so much. And I think we talked about elitist. Elitist could also be under that category of like fucking cringe anime fans. Yeah, it's tough because I want to say there's nothing wrong with being passionate and there's nothing to be ashamed of in being an anime fan. But like you said, there are there's a time and place for everything. And especially if anime is starting to become more mainstream, I think there should be a line between like how passionate you want to be and like just being practical about a situation i guess an example of this is one of the streamers that we watch doug doug happened to mention on a a stream that he watches anime which is strange because he never gave off that sort of air when he was doing all these streams because a lot of them they're, they're not even related to anime but he was just casually talking about some of the shows that he watched and it was just it was just nice knowing that there was an anime fan out there who didn't, I guess, quote-unquote, fit the stereotype. But you also see certain things out in the world like that kind of promote certain stigmas when it comes to being a weeb or an anime fan or an otaku that sort of dominate people's perceptions of the community. Like There are stories, news articles of people who've gone so far as to marry their favorite anime character. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've seen those articles. Yeah, or even like smaller things like at Anime Central, one of their taglines was got soap. Because anime fans <laughs> don't fucking shower. They don't use deodorant. They smell. Right. Okay, we all know, those of us who have gone to anime conventions, you know that constant. And it doesn't come from anywhere but fucking weebs bodies. Yeah, And so I think with this issue, the thing I want to say is I hope that a lot of us just rise above those stereotypes and show people that (laughs) it's cool to be an anime fan. And I know I'm laughing while saying that uh, just because there's, I'm just being like a tongue in cheek kind of guy. But yeah, being an anime fan is nothing to be ashamed of. But just make sure that you're 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 doing it in a way where it's not so in your face to others and in a way that shows you can be respectful. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Just be, having respectful boundaries where you can be you, but I can also be me and have some breathing room in between. <laughs> I think that's a good way to kind of sum that up. So again, not it's not a, an anime only thing. A lot of fandoms have their fucking cringe fans, but they're cringe like you can't help but feel the cringe you can't ignore it sometimes because it's it's right there all right so we've gone through many of the worst things or seemingly worst things about the anime fandom but with all of that said i kind of want to end on a positive note because yeah. i love being an anime fan i've i admit it i'm a fucking weeb and it's great like I just think that anime is so awesome and you can tell how awesome it is by the fans that it has. So let's end on a positive note. I wanted to ask what's our one favorite thing about the anime fandom, like each of our favorite things about the anime fandom. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, You can go first. Okay. I wonder <laughs> if we have a similar answer because I, the one I came up with, I feel like it's almost all encompassing. But yeah, what is 
your favorite thing about the anime fandom? It would be the camaraderie, the culture, mm, okay. the the just being a fucking weeb. Like I get so fucking hype when I find out someone watches anime, whether they're obviously an, an anime fan or they don't appear to be an anime fan at all. When I find that out, it's awesome. And it's even better when they get equally hyped to find out that I'm also an anime fan. And for example, like anime conventions are amazing because it's a place where all anime fans can come together and share their love and appreciation for the medium or for a show or for a character. We just came back from an anime convention and I loved the experience again for my 22nd year of Anime Central. There's a reason I've gone over 20 years in a row is because I love the culture. I love the fandom. I love the people. And I love the love and support that the anime fandom has for each other. So as much as we say, you know, we, we go at each other about manga versus anime or subs versus dubs or, you know, we shame cosplayers. I think a lot more often you find that we do uplift each other because there's nothing more exciting than like a great anime dropping and then every week you're talking about it with other anime fans. Mm -hmm. You're getting so excited when this new merch comes out. You got to share it with everybody. Um, when a new show gets announced or whatever, a new adaptation gets announced, like everyone's so excited and just like talks about it and talks about it until it finally premieres. So that culture of being an anime fan is by far the best thing. And I absolutely love that. And that's what keeps me, it's a large part of what keeps me into anime. It's not just the anime itself, but the people I get to share it with. But what about you? I think my answer is very similar. I said it was the energy of the community. And to go back to the example of anime conventions, I always call it like, the one weekend of the year where I can be an absolute degenerate. <laughs> and that's because we have like a whole community. <laughs> I don't want to call them all degenerates, but just <laughs> all these great fucking anime fans and seeing cosplayers do their thing and, you know, shouting lines of whatever character they're cosplaying and getting a response from them. There's just something so awesome about that. Or, collectively singing to songs like Gurenge from Demon Slayer or The Rumbling. Just getting getting a high off of everyone sharing in this common hobby is the best thing about this fandom. And it's one thing that has kept me allured to being a fan of anime when compared to any other hobby out there is just that everyone, like, they... They understand, they they get it, and they are accepting of you also understanding and getting it. It it makes it a sort of niche thing in a way, as much as we talk about how much we want to make anime more mainstream. But I think it's just that that sense of community and camaraderie, like you said, that makes this fandom such a special thing. I love it. I'm glad that we're on the same page about that. And I think a lot of people could probably say the same thing. I will say an, an, an extension of that is how fucking funny weebs are. I <laughs> Some of the best memes I have ever seen have come out of the anime fandom, even if they aren't related to an anime. Like, weebs are just fucking hilarious. And when you get a group of weebs together to, like, hype, a, hype behind, like, a meme or just something funny, it just turns out so good. Like, it's just, I mm -hmm. love that shit. Like, I'm on Reddit all the time because... 
subreddits like our animemes and stuff like that are so fucking good and addicting especially when they're also just in tune to the quote-unquote outside world yeah <laughs> um, and they inject humor from there into the anime world or it's vice like, versa <laughs> yeah like, these are all just great people of culture <laughs> well there you have it these are the worst things about the anime fandom and some of the things that we love or one of the, the best things that we love um we're interested to know though what are your picks for the worst parts of the anime fandom, whether it's something that we mentioned in this episode or something else that you think makes the anime fandom kind of cringe or kind of annoying, let us know. You can message us on Instagram or reach out to us on Twitter or send us an email or join our Discord and share it there. But we'd love to know. And remember, always uplift the fandom. <laughs> Don't try to take it down. We're all anime fans. Regardless of which anime or which characters we love, we all love anime in general. And that is enough to bring us together. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. We appreciate you and we love you guys so, so much. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash The Strictly Series. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. <laughs>